0: This is Viewpoint with attorney and author Chuck Crismire. Viewpoint is a one-hour open-line talk show confronting the issues of America's heart and home. To express your viewpoint, please call 804-754-1988. That's 804-754-1988. And now, with today's edition of Viewpoint, here is Chuck Crismire. Would you
1: be surprised to know that the number one divorcing nation in the world is the United States of America. 51%. The next in line is 33% with France. You know that sexually oriented country there where Bridget Bardot came from? And then underneath that is Germany and Israel following short behind at 30%, and the Netherlands 28%. And you might be fascinated to know that among Protestants that is Pentecostals and Presbyterians and so on, the divorce rate is 39% among Catholics, 27, 25%, and among atheists, only 37%. But how about by region? Well, you would think in the liberal Northeast that that would be the highest divorce rate, wouldn't you? But actually, it's the lowest, 28%. Where do you think the highest divorce rate is? Well, it's in the Bible built 50% or higher. I want you to think about these numbers, friends, because this is called the land of the free that's increasingly becoming only the home of the brave. But why is that? Could it have something to do with the deterioration of our marriages and the lack of real godly, a godly viewpoint that we have toward our marriages? I believe that that's the case after 20 years of law practice in the largest family law court of the nation, the Los Angeles superior court nation uh, court system. And after 40 years of ministry, I have to tell you that I have seen virtually at all. I know all the downsittings of the uprisings. I've heard all of the excuses, all the reasonings, all the rationales, and it seems like nothing ever changes. But why? Is there something going on deep in our minds and our hearts that might take us all the way back to Genesis chapter 2 and Genesis chapter 3 that it might actually explain a whole lot of what's going on in our marriages and why we're having such difficulties? I believe that's true. And so does our guest here today, Dr. Donald Welch. He's coming all the way from California in order to uh, converse with us. They say that virtually everything good, but everything bad comes out of California. So, friends, I think this is going to be good stuff today. Dr. Donald Welch, join us with his book, The Responsive Marriage Finding the Path Out of Reactivity. So, uh, Don, it's good to have you on the program.
0: Oh, thank you, Chuck. I'm so happy to be here, and I'm with you on this.
1: Well, you've uh, created marriage. Well, the uh, the news is telling us that you guys have an awful lot of heavy flooding out there in the San Diego area, and uh, uh, it's not just water flooding. It's uh, reactionary marriages that are flooding our country and uh, tearing even the body of Christ apart, aren't they?
0: It, It is one of the unfortunate one of the unfortunate things of where we live you know i was thinking of pope john paul ii in 1978 to 2005 you know the sovereign of the vatican city state who said as the family goes so goes the nation and so goes the world in which we live mm-hmm. and you may you may have read his wonderful work called the theology of the body it's it's a masterpiece of focusing back to god
1: well i'll tell you uh we have uh, virtually abandoned God's authority in our country. Uh, And I think the reason for that is that we have uh, virtually abandoned what is called the fear of the Lord in the country. Uh, It used to be that the term a God-fearing man was perhaps the most common phrase used to describe a man whose word could be trusted, whose word was his bond, who, uh, could be respected, who had high morals and standards, a God-fearing man. Well, that doesn't seem to be the case anymore. It just doesn't seem to be the case anymore. That concerns me. It also concerns me that somehow our connection with our guest suddenly went blank. And so here I am, as yours truly, carrying on until hopefully our special guest is able to reconnect. So, here he comes now, and Don, I'm so glad that you've been able to reconnect with us.
0: Yes, sir. I'm here.
1: Yeah. So we were talking about this idea of uh, the fear of the Lord and a God-fearing man. And I have asked many a pastor and parachurch leader over the past, say, eight or ten years— when was the last time, have you ever, can you remember over the last 30 years ever hearing someone use that phrase, and they couldn't remember anybody? Mm-hmm. The problem is mm-hmm. we've lost the fear of the Lord, and if you lose the fear of the Lord in the land, so goes God's authority with regard to marriage, his concern about marriage, and even when we make our vows before him till, till death do us part, it doesn't mean anything anymore, does it?
0: Yes, I think you're really talking about three categories of marriage: casual, contractual, and covenantal. And I believe that you're referring to we need a covenantal relationship which represents the highest form of commitment.
1: Well, that's biblical isn't the, marriage,
2: isn't it?
0: Yes. That's biblical. There's no there's no out. Unfortunately, there are situations where people are harming each other, we need to help them to separate and to not hurt each other, but the idea is that there really is no way out because with this, it's this idea of it's the suzerain which primarily offers protection, while the vassal would supply offer loyalty. So in in this, the primary focus focus was not on fulfilling terms, but rather the focus was on mutual pledges and lifetime allegiance to each other. This is the type of marriage originally designed by God. But mm-hmm. we are not fearing the Lord, right. as you're saying.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So we see it played out in so many practical ways or impractical ways, uh, destructive ways across the country, and it's very painful. Uh, As I said, I practice law there in California, where you are, uh, for 20 years in the largest family law court in the nation, and 80% of my clientele came from the broader body of Christ. And Mm. what I found, Don, was that Mm -hmm. by the time they came to my office looking for a Christian lawyer... They had already gone through their pastor, their friends, their so-called Christian friends and counselors, all of which, or none of which, had really reinforced their commitments before God and were looking more at the practical or psychological level than they were at any level of spiritual commitment. And so they were prepared to dump
0: it all. Yes, unfortunately. Because, yes, every heart, longs for intimacy and when we think of the trinity the father the son and holy spirit we have an in that they have an intimate relationship and god created us to have intimacy with him mm-hmm. and he also created us to seek intimate intimacy with others but we have to have it in god's terms on god's terms right with this
1: now you have been uh, a family practitioner a uh, family counselor licensed marriage and family counselor for many many years and uh i want when we get back from this break i'd like you to share just uh, a little bit of insight there and then we're going to go on and we're going to dig deep into this issue of reactivity and what that really means you've got something really serious to talk about Exactly 20 years ago, Christianity Today made this statement, marriage is a crumbling institution. That was Christianity Today, 2004, marriage is a crumbling institution. And they were talking about not just in the world, friends, but in God's house. So what can we do about that? Is there hope on the horizon? Today's broadcast, the balance of our program today, hopefully will provide real hope and new vision for how we can live marriages that are fulfilling to one another and pleasing to God at the same time. Our special guest, Dr. Donald Welch, who is a uh, long-time marriage and family uh, counselor. Uh, You've got so many degrees at the back of your name, it's a wonder you can even walk, Don. (laughs)
0: <laughs> My kids say I'm a slow learner. So that's is what that it is. what it is? What is that's this with a the they...
1: doctor and three master's
0: degrees? Yeah, I'm, I'm a little insecure. I think that's really what it is. So that's, that's the truth behind it.
1: Maybe you're just reacting truth. to the ignorance around you.
0: <laughs> or the ignorance within me. You know, everybody, with the, as you have your JD, you know, with a doctorate and yeah. you know, a PhD. Ph.D. means piled higher and deeper, so you know what you don't know. You're you're a little more wise to what you don't know. Well, I was
1: heading for that Ph.D. (laughs) as a major in psychology uh, at a church-related school, and then I decided, you know what, Uh, this isn't working for me. And uh, that's what headed me into the J.D. uh, response. And so today we're going to mix it up. We're going to mix it up, and uh, interestingly, you have a... uh, you're married to a pretty uh
0: lady uh how long you've been married 28 years we're almost 29 in uh 7th, let's see on the 18th of, all right of and you got a couple of kids yes we do both of our kids the 24 year old and a 26 year old and uh so we we have a busy life with young adult launching okay yes. launching have they launched yet no, not fully, but they're on their way. Both, both are employed. Isn't that the starting point? Well, and that is the starting
1: point, so you're not in the failure to launch category then.
0: <laughs> yes, yes. So we're, well, we're good for you. I
1: congratulate you, Don.
0: <laughs> well, thank you, sir. I, I appreciate that.
1: Yes. All right. Now, That's we go family. back to the book of Genesis, and yeah. uh, we find in the book of Genesis a very simple story that all of us are familiar with. And that is that uh, God created Adam, and then he found that uh, all the other animals and beings had mates, but Adam was alone, and so he said, that's not good. Not good for Adam to be alone, and so he created Mm -hmm. a woe man out of Mm -hmm. Adam, uh, out of his rib, and he brought them together, performed the first marriage, and he says, Now, what I have put together, man must not put asunder. Now, he didn't give any privilege for man to put that asunder either. No privilege whatsoever. He said, what I have put together, man must not, cannot, rightly put asunder. So, they're together now, and the very first thing that happens in recorded scriptural history is then the tempter or the serpent comes upon them. Yes. Now... Are you suggesting, was God suggesting that if you get married, you're going to have big problems with Satan? Or was he saying, no, I want you to get married, but it's in that context that you and your wife are going to lay play, uh, play out uh, the glory of God in the world, which is the right way of
2: interpreting
0: it. Oh, that we're going to play out the glory of God, because when we think about it, Chuck, There's my my firmly held presupposition on the origin of marriage is that God created it and not humans. It's therefore unmalleable and immutable. In my view, God is the original designer and craftsman, of, as you said, of the two genders and the process by which they would bond and procreate. As such, he is the owner of the design. All right, so what do you do with the statement
1: of William Jefferson Clinton in Southern California in nineteen ninety seven here's what he said to a group of gathering admitted homosexuals first time an american president had ever knowingly addressed an exclusively exclusive audience of practicing homosexuals and here's what he said we are in practical ways changing the immutable or unchangeable ideals that have guided us from the beginning what do you make of that statement?
0: Well, it's very unfortunate because there is no research to date that indicates that a person is born homosexual. They may have leanings and attraction toward the same gender, yet there is no research to date that would state that that homosexuality is is a truism.
1: But the problem with that statement is that it's far more pervasive than that. It applies to virtually everything. That is, if you look at what's happened in the area of marriage, it started with the breakdown of marriage in 1968 with uh, Ronald Reagan's No Fault Divorce Act there in California. And it spread like wildfire from there. So in effect, we began all of this breakdown with the breakdown of our allegiance to God's version of marriage. So we actually agreed in God's own house throughout the 1970s that we are, in practical ways, changing the immutable ideals that have guided us from the
0: beginning. Isn't
1: that what we really did?
0: Uh, unfortunately, and if you've read, as I've read, what Ronald Reagan indicate, he put this in print and said it verbally, that that particular uh, constitutional, you would know the term as an attorney, to actually change the direction of a no fault marriage mm-hmm. into a no fault marriage. It was the worst, worst of his decisions in his entire career. That's what he said. And, he admitted and he that. Yeah, he admitted it, and he was the it Lord country. for that. <laughs> but it still yes. happened.
1: It still yes. happened, and it reverberated yes. not through the secular community alone, but through the Christian community under the ages of God as love in the 1970s, and then yes. it metastasized from there up until our current date. So now we go back to Genesis chapter two and three. God mm-hmm. performs the marriage. Satan comes, and he asks. Three of the most important words in the Bible: "Hath God said?" "Hath God said?" Aren't mm-hmm. those? Isn't that the phrase that's hovering over our entire country and the entire church today?
0: Yes, it's um, <laughs> it's almost like out on the limb. Yeah, where Shirley McLean said uh, her statement was, "I am that I am." She's quoting out of the Bible right. and replacing god with her or replacing our fear of god as you started in this conversation right. our fear of god is recognizing he's in charge i'm not in charge
1: so no sooner did satan come to with that question that eve responded and and basically said yes but or uh, actually satan said yes but that's what god said but and he inserted a rationale to why it couldn't be called, uh, completely true. So Eve followed that, then she, shall we say, induced, I won't say seduced, induced Adam to join her in uh, that quasi rebellion against God's authority. And the very next thing we find is they're accusing one another. Satan uh, Eve is accusing Satan, that serpent, he did it. And Adam is saying, that woman you gave me, she did it. Now, is, are those actual responses
0: or are those reactions? Um, those are reactions because <laughs> God made himself fully known to them, and he wanted Adam and Eve to fully know each other and faithfully love each other and love God first.
1: So So it's out of that that comes your book, The Responsive Marriage, because what you have discovered after so many years of counseling, as a godly counselor, you have discovered that within so-called even Christian marriages, people are so prone to react rather than to respond that it Incre- their reaction multiplies, metastasizes until they virtually destroy one another and there's nothing left.
0: Yes, that's exactly what I'm suggesting very mm-hmm. clearly. Mm-hmm. Okay. If I may just add, may add to that, that I was noticing, Chuck, a common characteristic in couples, I was... Uh, I was counseling who who were struggling with communication in the marriage. One or both were reacting to the other involuntarily Mm -hmm. and without initial conscious thought. For example, rolling the eyes, sighing in exasperation, quickly escalating all signs of reactivity. And only after the reaction occurred was the individual aware of it. So we could make a case that for Adam and Eve, that their reaction that you will become like god it's our greatest temptation that's why mm-hmm. when we see rational thought that that overtook the 20 and 21st centuries when we moved to looking for psychologists rather than our pastor you know the pastor will point us to jesus uh not all psychologists will point us to just logical thinking yeah but in this case we we turned from that and i i i then developed what we call where you would measure both temperament and temperament expression to, to try to respond to your question a little more and then provide the individual with a profile of their responsiveness versus reactivity. We then could increase awareness and uh, provide the opportunity for the individual to choose alternative responses before mudding, mudding the waters with their involuntary reactivity.
1: All right. Well, you've just mentioned the key then to the entire message and the book the word choose, and we need to build on that, and we're going to build on that, but before we do, I want to make your book available to our listeners here today. The Responsive Marriage, friends, finding the path out of all of this knee-jerk reactivity that doesn't lead anywhere but down. It's a $25 book, yours for $22, on our website, saveus.org, saveus.org. You can call us at 1-800-SAVE-USA. That's 1-800-SAVE-USA. Or you can write to us at Save America Ministries, P.O. Box 70879, Richmond, Virginia, 23255. Writing a check at $5 for postage and handling. I believe that uh, Dr. Don here has really latched onto something very, very important. In fact... Uh, Don, what it reminds me of, and by the way, you have, uh, I don't know, almost a dozen endorsements here on your book, and I looked through them, and seven out of all your endorsements have been on this program over the years. One of Oh, those, wonderful. One of those, Emerson uh, Egerichs, had written yes. the book concerning uh, love and respect. Yes. Well, this is very similar to that. He Uh lodged into, identified something that was so critical at the heart of our relationships, and he was right. He was absolutely right based upon Ephesians chapter 5. But now, Uh you have latched onto something that uh, is extremely perceptive, and all of these these, uh, marriage and family folk uh, are saying, yeah, you've really honed in on something that is serious, very important. And if we don't get a hold of it, we're just going to continue on the road uh, to dump our marriages in the garbage dump. dump. So let's talk now about this matter of reactivity. Uh, What does it
0: mean to react as opposed to respond? Okay. May I just suggest with that question that Many couples believe, really, Chuck, that their past is in the past, and it doesn't affect them today. And others may, they may believe that the past can affect them, but they don't think they have dealt with it,
3: okay. and it is
0: now irrelevant. So the truth is, emotions never forget. And this is, this is why the Scripture is so important, even 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just, and he will not only forgive us, but cleanse us. from all unrighteousness. You know, I'm
1: glad you brought that up because, uh, actually, my wife and I have been married for uh, almost 58 years now. Oh,
0: congratulations. uh, Yeah, we were married
1: out there in Southern California in 1966. And what what we've discovered, and it took me a while to really identify with this, but uh, we discovered that my wife felt that she had never been recognized Uh, as having value in her family. Even so, she's Mm -hmm. she's tremendously skilled and valuable, but she just didn't recognize that and felt very, very, very insecure. Very insecure. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So what would happen is it didn't take very much for her to react out of her past and her experience. Out of that insecurity. And now I've got to pick up the pieces of that now what do I do with it? Do I lash back in further reactivity? Well, I guess maybe I did that for a while. But I tell you, I had to learn the hard way. Mm. We're all people and we have backgrounds. We're going to pick up on that when we get back, friends. Our special guest, John Welch, the Responsive Marriage.
2: Prayer and revival information, all at saveus.org.
1: Welcome back to Viewpoint. I'm Chuck Chris Meyer. Are you reacting or acting? Uh, are you responding to things or are you reacting with a knee jerk reaction to things that are said uh, in your family, uh, between spouses, or even in other relationships? Because this same principle applies everywhere. You know, there's a fundamental rule of science that says for every action, there is an equal and opposite reaction. For every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. Well, that may be a rule of science, but maybe it's not intended to be a rule of human relationships. And the reason for that is that our... Actions or even reactions are emanating from something that the Bible says is not right in our own hearts. Now, what is that non-rightness? It's called the flesh. And the Bible says that the flesh reaps corruption. So if we're responding or acting or reacting out of the flesh, guess what's going to happen? It's going to reap
0: corruption. Does that make sense now, Don? Absolutely. This is the challenge. The challenge is we are reacting out of our flesh. We see this in somatic medicine. And if I may just say it this way, because I'm 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 a believer first. My first undergrad was in biblical literature.
3: Mm-hmm. And then
0: I had two masters in Bible. So I think through a Bible, even though I'm a, a, an active Therapist working with hundreds of uh, couples, mm-hmm. but re- let's let's put it this way for just a moment, if you don't mind. Responsive marriages, I mean, me- messages. Excuse me, I'm thinking of marriage. Responsive yeah. messages are thoughtful, deliberate, and controlled expressions, while reactive messages are involuntary, mostly unconscious, and, and usually unregulated. And emotional, yes, unregulated. What exactly. do you say?
1: Unregulated. You're really meaning emotional, aren't you? That's
0: that is. Excuse me. That's what I mean. We're we're emotional. Yes, yeah, yeah. it's sort of like if you may remember your class in psychology, where William James, eighteen ninety eight, he's the one who was the pioneer of psychology and said, "Well, when I cry, I know I'm sad, or when I laugh, I know I'm happy." The concept has been a divisive concept in science. Whether we feel something first or think it, and I happen to think God believes we feel because Philippians four tells us, be anxious for nothing, but in everything in prayer and supplication with thanksgiving." And he says he will guard your heart Mm. and mind in Christ Jesus. He could have inverted that. He could have said, Paul, that's not correct, we need to put mind first, but he put emotion. So suffice it to say for now that responsive messages then emerge from the thinking part of the brain, while reactive messages emanate from the feeling part of the brain. Mm-hmm. And this is where this casual marriage, when we were talking about that, rather than a covenantal, well, I just don't feel like I love this person anymore. How many times have you and I heard that uh, in your work as an attorney pastor? Oh, yeah. Yes.
1: So we we fell out of love. Now, you didn't fall out of love. You reacted right. out of love uh, through a variety of circumstances that have led you to the place where you say, I've fallen out of love. Yes. Mm-hmm.
0: So, so when we think about it, if we can dive a little deeper into um, when, when the conflict, I believe that what can really start this is when the marriage and a spouse don't meet either of the other's expectations. Mm-hmm. Resentment and bitterness starts to grow out of the right. flesh, and often the conflict we experience with each other in marriage is due to unmet, unspoken, and unprocessed expectations. Doesn't that sound like a therapist like myself? Well, That's it, it does
1: sound like a therapist <laughs> like yourself, but the interesting thing is that I agree with you wholeheartedly. Uh, it's well known and accepted that broken expectations are one of the premier driving forces of the breakdown of our marriages.
0: Yes. Yeah. I had a I had a couple come in. They were married four years, Chuck, and they were sitting on my couch. And so I asked them, um, how do you divided up domestic responsibilities? And they looked at each other, looked at me and said, I, We kind of did it like our parents did. We never talked, we never talked about that. And then I said, Well, tell me, does one of you like to do something that you think the other might not enjoy or like? And she, she piped up and said, Yes, I love taking out the trash. This man <laughs> stood up with his hands in the air. What? After 40 years of marriage, I hate taking out trash. Why didn't you tell me that 40 years ago? That was an example of that had not happened. It really did happen.
1: That is so funny. You say unmanaged (laughs) reactivity puts a couple on a collision course with each other and can lead to the demise of their marriage. Unmanaged reactivity. You know, uh, I was just thinking as I was preparing for today's program, Don, that uh, just in the last few days I've had opportunity to deal with several situations of radically unmanaged reactivity, not in my own house, but in the home of others, because I have to deal with those kinds of things. Uh, I see them. People call me. They contact me. I'm involved Mm -hmm. with people, and uh, it's very painful. And the problem is we don't see ourselves the way we really are. We have mm-hmm. put a blessing on our reactions because I feel that way. So we've inaugurated yes. our feelings even over our faith, and it's destroying even the church.
0: Oh, yes. We, we've become much more impulsive. If you think about it, the unmanaged reactivity puts a couple on a collision course, which you said a moment ago, with each other and can lead to the demise of their marriage. Mm-hmm. Remember that we need to remember that reactivity is much more than just exhibiting anger or escalating during an argument it occurs whenever one overfunctions and you talked about a reaction earlier. Mm-hmm. One overfunctions or under functions in their natural temperament. These extremes of behavior tend to push others away and create distance. Mm-hmm. And so my experience, counseling couples, has taught me that a significant correlation exists between unmanaged reactivity and predictors of divorce. And Mm. you talked about choice earlier. I just mentioned like the the neurological connections created by a combination of personal choice, a perpetuated action and personality design that form the basis of who we are today, but they are not permanent. Extensive research on the functioning of our brains reveals an amazing capacity. We've all heard this, to rewire. Neuroplasticity is the technical term Used as we all know for this characteristic, and we can alter the pathways of our brain, no matter how ingrained or embedded they may be, and thereby change our present circumstances.
1: Well, doesn't that change, require a change of heart, though? I mean, it the heart of man is always the heart,
0: isn't it? It's and the, man, the heart and of man goes, is
1: desperately wicked. Who could know it?
0: That, yeah, no one knows their heart. I've said that to my university students for thirty years. Never trust your heart. It will likely lead you astray. Always trust God. So in other, words, in other words, in other
1: words, what you're saying, Don, is all of these uh, marriage programs and uh, the wonderful love stories and so on, they're always saying, trust your heart. Trust your heart. Yes. And you're saying yes,
0: that's false advice. It is false because God already designed it that way. He said, don't trust your heart. Trust me. The Bible's clear that we don't know our hearts. We don't know our reactions. Our, our mates do. Our mates we we emanate all sorts of emotion from our facial expressions, um, and so we cannot but be deceived by our heart.
1: Mm-hmm. So the heart of man is the heart of the problem, and uh, it seems yep. that if we come into a relationship with Christ and are purportedly born again, that that heart problem should have been changed. But maybe it's just giving us an opportunity to restart because we're still having to deal with the flesh.
0: Yes, yes. This is the key. I, 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 I was preaching a revival service in St. Joseph, Missouri. And now, wait a, a minute. W- B.F.
1: Skinner... And uh, Sigmund Freud was preaching a revival service. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm just no, messing there you here. go. I've got you. I have got you. And a man <laughs> came. A man. Came, got it. A man came forward, and he was. There was a kneeling bench, and he was pounding the kneeling bench, uh-huh. saying, "I wish this anger was taken from me." His wife came up, and she looked like a battered mu- a wife. And he was saying, "I want this anger." And he's pounding the bench. And that man wanted everything from God he possibly could, but he was caught up in the somatic experience of his pain, Mm -hmm. his injuries. And that's, I think, what you're saying, because reactivity, I believe, as a strong Christian and a minister, originates from the limbic system. Responsiveness originates from the cerebral cortex. You know, do you you and your wife have any animals? Because we have a dog, but I like to think our dog can understand what we're saying. It turns its head, and we look, oh, Mm -hmm. oh. She knows what we're saying. Well, she does not have the cerebral cortex that we have, right. which God created only for men and women uh, in, in the world, humans. And so he wants us to function from, from that area of our bodies. So when um,
1: the Scripture says, and Paul writes in Philippians chapter 3, let this mind be in you, yes. which was yes. also in Christ Jesus, yes. what he's really talking about is, look, you can't, you can't constantly react out of your flesh, out of your emotions. Yep. All of that has to be bygone, and you must now submit yourself to the word, the will, and the ways of the Lord so that yep. you're not reacting but responding in life circumstances.
0: That's exactly true. In fact, in the Gospel of John and other places, Jesus was saying, Father, I pray that we are one, and then I pray that they will be one with us. Yeah. He gives us insight into that his strength can help us to be responsive. Yeah,
1: and you know However, how he did are... that? He did that by beginning that little discourse in John 17 by saying, sanctify or set them yes. apart according to thy truth. Thy word is yes. truth, not your feelings. Your word is truth. And on that basis, they become one in Christ. Yes. How come that's always left out? We want, well, the, we want the results without the process.
0: Yes. We want. <laughs> yeah, you're exactly you're exactly right. And the idea is submission. You got it. And when we learn when we learn to submit to God, we learn what I believe in the four C's: closeness, choice,
1: mm-hmm. curiosity,
0: and cleaving. That's found in the book.
1: All right, we want Um, to pick up on that when we get back from this break, friends, The Responsive Marriage, Finding the Path Out of Reactivity. Very healing, very hopeful. $22 on our website, saveus.org. We'll put this book, Helpful and Healing Book, in your hands. Don't pass it up. We'll
2: be right back. But the same can be found right now. Go to SaveUs.org and click Sell Church. We can revive first century Christianity for the 21st century. It's about people, not programs. It's about a body, not a building. That's SaveUs.org. Click Sell Church.
1: I have watched this scenario for 50 years. As a trial lawyer and then also as a pastor and overlapping those two from coast to coast. Marriage counseling with couples, professing Christian couples who just can't seem to bring themselves to submit first to God and then to one another. And so all it is is a reaction, action and reaction, action and reaction. It's as if they're just mechanized and the whole purpose of God's bringing them together in marriage is defeated. Our guest today, though, says responsive marriages heal while reactive marriages destroy. I agree wholeheartedly, and I had to interrupt you, Don, right there as we were heading into the break. Anything further in that regard?
0: Well, I I think this concept of submission We've been on this this idea, Chuck, because mm-hmm. Jesus sums up intimacy with submission as right. the act of kenosis, you know, pouring out and emptying a life, enriching relationships with God through Jesus Christ. Isn't that what Jesus himself here. had to do? He
1: submitted yes. himself unto the Father. Yes. Yeah. And yes. so he says, and now, as I did, now you do both with me and then you do with your spouse.
0: Absolutely. And I think that fear of our... Fellow persons, or fear of our mate, or fear of our past, is different than fear of God.
3: Mm-hmm. And if we
0: think back to the Garden of Eden, we remember the punishments God pronounced on the man and woman after the woman after the fall were different. But may I talk just a little bit about this idea of intimacy? Mm-hmm. That from a biblical and scientific understanding, I define intimacy as a close relationship that does not operate at the expense of the self with a self that does not operate at the expense of the other and in which each person is fully known and faithfully loved. In other words, each maintains their individual identity while at the same time bonding together.
1: Okay, I would agree with that. Those were a lot of words to be uh, walked out, shall we say, talked out. And uh, Mm -hmm. one of the ways that we have to do that, and you talk about it, chapter 7 in your book called Rest Stops, priority often, one priority often neglected in our marriages is carving out time so that the couple can nurture and expand their emotional intimacy and connection. It's, I would call it, withness. Now, isn't it interesting that Jesus chose 12 to be with him he did yes. not have a do-it-to-you ministry, like so much of what we think today as ministry. He had yes. a do-it-with-you ministry. And uh, I think this uh, understanding of withness is critically important. And yet, mm-hmm. uh, I have to tell you, to be very honest with you, uh, You know, my wife came to me uh, years ago uh, when I was uh, in law school, and, you know, tremendous pressures there because I was also teaching school full-time. And yeah. she was going through, uh, I was putting her through college at that time. And so there was very little time for each other. And she came to me one day and she says, Chuck, I don't, I don't have any more feelings for you. And it scares me. Mm. And she didn't get into reaction mode. It was mm-hmm. very humble, very quiet, very sobering. I don't have any more feelings for you, and it scares me. What she was really saying is, look, we're just not having any any time together. We're yes. just sh- ships passing in the night. How yes. in the world, in that kind of environment, are we to be responsive to one another and not just reactionary?
0: Yes. That's, with Jesus, oftentimes, he was ready to heal someone, and we know the scriptures perhaps he healed that person, and there were others waiting, and he went to be with the Father. So he demonstrates that our relationship with him is paramount Mm -hmm. in all of this. I think on page 184, I turn to my book, or the book here, and I have the time margin optimizer. I started doing this with my students, and what I found with marriage partners that were in my office, and I've seen this for 40 years, Uh they will come in and I'll ask, would you be able to carve out five minutes a day just to be with each other and be able to separate your perception from your core feeling, make sure you validate both. And sometimes they'll look at me and they'll say, I don't know how we'll do that. We've never done that as a couple. If that, if I'd not seen that for decades, four decades, Mm -hmm. I wouldn't say how important the time margin optimizer is so nerdy. I want to say this is in the book and on our website, it's active where you can actually count all of your 160, uh, hour sixty eight hours per week, and then decide where you 're going to carve out five to ten minutes let me tell you how day. we resolve that how'd you do that
1: and again we 've been married now for almost fifty eight years and uh, uh about twenty five years ago, the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart. Mm-hmm. Now, here I had been ministering i had mm-hmm. been uh, in law practice i had been Uh, conducting, in fact, my wife and even even I conducted uh, marriage seminars up and down California. Mm -hmm. But one day, the Lord spoke to my heart and showed me what my wife was trying to say that was missing Mm -hmm. our time Mm -hmm. together. And so here's what we did. I went to Kathy and I said, sweetheart, I believe that from now on, I'm not the only one that's going to get up early in the morning to spend quality time with the Lord like I've been doing for all of these decades. Mm -hmm. You and I now, from this time forward, are going Mm -hmm. to get together every single morning. Mm -hmm. And we set 6 o'clock in the morning as the time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And uh, so the purpose in coming together was that we were not going to just read a gospel every day, in other words, some little verse, and then have an instant prayer and be on with it. No, we were going to sit down together. This was to be a together experience between us and the Lord. And in order to facilitate that, I prepared coffee each night so that the only (laughs) thing we had to do was press the button and we would come together. There wasn't going to be anything interfere. And the very first thing we would do every single day was to p- spend time with the Lord, reading his word, discussing it, applying it, discussing yeah. the various things in our lives that were akin thereto. And you know what she said to me? And has said over and over again, that was the most important thing that we have ever done. It changed wow. everything. It Absolutely. changed everything. And you know what? We do that whether we're in each other's presence or not. If I have to be out of town or she has to be out of town, you know how we do it? By telephone. Yes. We do not miss a day.
0: You're you're better than we are, but we have our morning together as a husband and wife with a devotional. We're in D. James Kennedy's devotional, and it's so beautiful. Um, but and being able to share our opinions and you're, you're, you're having a devotional with a dead man? No, oh, not with a dead man. He is now in heaven with my <laughs> wife. Yes. <laughs> so, and I was listening, yes. You, you were following the Holy Spirit to set that up with your wife, and yes, wife. man. It's changed
1: everything. And you know what? We've shared that with a number of people, and they're doing it too now.
0: Oh, that's so fantastic. Yeah,
1: they're doing it too. Yes. So anyway, uh, it, it resolved a whole lot of situations and minimized the reactivity, so that we became responsive to one
0: another and to the Lord together. Yes, I wonder when you're talking about that, Chuck. That that is allowing space for the Holy Spirit to actually speak on your behalf or speak on my behalf toward you know, our, our mates, our mm-hmm, wives, mm-hmm. and allowing the Holy Spirit, which he says he's the great comforter, he's come, and he, he wants to salve the past and soothe the past. And so that's allowing for him to do what he says he will do.
1: Well, yeah, and we have to be willing to allow him to do that. So, yes. so yes. you talk about, <laughs> I think this is a good time to bring up what you talk about multitasking, uh you say god never intended us to be multitaskers i thought about that for a minute i thought you know what i think there's a lot of truth in that why do you say that
0: well because actually we uh he wants us to be present that's one of our problems there's so much high anxiety in Mm -hmm. marriages much more so than even 40 years ago right that even when we talk about 20 years ago and so people are reacting out of Like, for example, we're not meant, I don't believe our brains are meant to watch 24-7 death and savage reactions that people have toward each other, the the wars and the Mm killings, that our body and our mind cannot absorb that without it telling a story, as a famous book talks about that. And there's current research that suggests we cannot multitask. Our brain goes into a bit of spasm. Women do this a lot better than men because Mm -hmm. of the way their brain functions between the two hemispheres mm-hmm. because of different neurotransmitters. So women are um, hemispheric people then. Well, they're very,
1: yeah. They're, southern yeah, and I Northern not, hemispheres together.
0: <laughs> you were talking about Northern California, or Eastern California, sorry, um, Eastern, yes, they're more Northern. That is I When my wife says this to me, Chuck, I just have this intuition about it. I stop in my tracks and I listen. I learned that a long time ago, Yeah, and, and there's something about this intuition that women have that men do not have. Right. Um,
1: well, that's why I try to listen to, to my wife. Uh, you know, in terms of information and so on, I'm probably the more knowledgeable one, which she would admit, mm-hmm. but uh, she mm-hmm. has a, a kind of insight and perception that uh, that I do not have, and for some reason we've once once again lost our guest, and I'm not sure why. Perhaps he will come back. But here's the deal. Uh, his book is called The Responsive Marriage, Finding the Path Out of Reactivity. It is a $25 book, and it's yours for $22 on our website, saveus.org. That's saveus.org. You can write to us at Save America Ministries. P.O. Box 70879, Richmond, Virginia, 23255, or you can call us at 1-800-SAVE-USA. Now, uh, Don is back with us uh, quickly here at the end of the program. And going back to the multitasking, I I think I I understand another reason why multitasking is is uh, actually underlying much of the reactivity rather than the responsiveness in our marriages. And that is it puts us on overload in terms of the demands on our time. And uh, time is really the only thing that God has given us. We all have Mm -hmm. exactly the same amount of time. We want somebody Mm -hmm. to give us more time. I used to tell my secretary, you know, I just need, if you could just give me another four or five hours, uh, it would be great. But God has given us a certain amount of time. Every single one of us has the same amount of time. So it's what we do with that time and what we choose to do with that time. And that brings us back to this issue of choice. Choice is what God puts before us. Choose you this day whom you will serve, for instance. How do you relate to that word choice with regard to reactivity
0: and responsiveness? Yes, that God gives us so much choice, even in free will as you're talking about this. And the choice means that we would put our mate first. Be kind, I use the key, K-E-Y. Be kind, be empathetic, and yield. Mm. Yield to the other person. January sixth, we had a terrible just in this month a terrible accident. I, I uh, excuse me, I fifteen I think it was west in Bakersfield because you, you're from California, yeah. and thirty five vehicles. I think there were four or nine people that were hurt, but there was too much fog. Oh yeah, and they couldn't yield, mm-hmm. and oftentimes our own reactivity can we don't yield then. There's to too the much person.
1: fog in our lives with uh, all kinds of things, multitasking and every other thing. And uh, yes. we just not are not in a position to yield. Very good illustration. Hey, Don, thanks so much for joining us here on the program today. Uh, you've got an excellent book here, The Responsive Marriage. $22, my friends, will put it in your hands. It may just change your life. I know I know of some folk I'm going to recommend it to. I really do. Right oh, thank now. you. I just know who I'm going to recommend it to. Whether they do what they do with it will depend on whether they react or
3: respond.
1: (laughs) 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 Blessings to you. Hold the fort out there in California. I don't know whether you're reacting or responding, Don, but uh, you guys got some difficult things to deal with out there. Uh, You and your wife are going to have to hold the fort together. Can you do that? Yes. Thanks so much for joining us. God God bless and be a blessing, my friends.